Dark save for light being cast from the big TV screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning. Hey, George. Hey, Lions. How's it going? Well, I don't want you to doki doki panic, but I am <laughs> dealing with like a, a little bit of a head cold thing. Uh, the nice thing is because we don't do these shows live to the world, only you will have to deal with sniffling and throat clearing and all that other unpleasantness. No, that <clears throat> that makes a lot of sense to me. Like, I, I <clears throat> get that. Uh, See, you know, it's funny because my even though I knew you were going to do something like that, my hand still reflexively <laughs> started to go right down the timestamp because I was like, oh, I have to wait. No, that one I actually have to leave in. Got to leave that one in. <laughs> Go leave that one in. Otherwise, the joke won't make any sense. So it's, it would just seem like I was like just just having mild strokes <laughs> in between each uh, each one. And and I thought for sure you were going to go with uh, when I said, How, how's it going? You're going, it's going super, bro, or something like that. But uh, and then I'm, and then in I'm my trying mind, to dig like, a little nah. deeper than that. Yeah. Yeah. But then uh, then my brain said, like, no, dude, save it. Save it for your ending thing. So mm-hmm. now I got to come yeah. up with something else. No, you'll, you'll get some. You always get there. Um so yeah, we, she said. <laughs> we played Super Mario Brothers 2, the American version, right? And mm-hmm. and we'll we'll do a little uh thing about that in a second, but um I realized grabbing the Wikipedia link for this, you know, to get the the release date, this came out in 1988, right? So really soon after the uh North American territory got Super Mario Brothers, the Super Mario Brothers, right? right? So um, some fun facts are probably going to come up over the course of the episode. But uh, if you have, you know, five minutes, the Wikipedia article for this game is not that long. And it's actually kind of interesting how complicated the release of this game actually was. (laughs) And like the insane back and forth between the Japanese market and the North American market. So like, it's it's actually worth the, the like five to ten minutes to go just read the whole Wikipedia article because it's it's zany. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely. I mean, and and to, let's just go into nostalgia goggles, um, the or the nostalgia experience. Uh, this is definitely one for me that even even as a youngling, I could tell you that there was something weird about Super Mario Brothers too. You I, know, I have this exact same note in my notes where I was like, <laughs> even as a kid. I knew so, yeah. because it just, it's so, of course it's different, but like, even as like a seven year old, you're just like, wait a minute. You're like, one of these things is not like the others, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's very much so, you know, if you put all of the Mario brothers, even, even Mario brothers, not super Mario brothers, Mario brothers, I would say is, is, is still within the error bars within three standard deviations of the mean of a Mario game. I would be more if if I was taking like what are those like uh, logic quizzes or whatever you know where they say like one of these things you know like toss out or something like that oh, you know like an SAT style yeah, yeah like an SAT style question I would definitely if if somebody put in this Super Mario Brothers two Super Mario Brothers three Super Mario Brothers and Mario Brothers I wouldn't be <laughs> I'd be uneasy with my answer but I would still toss Super Mario Brothers two. 
Yeah. Like, I would probably then, at the end of it, turn to somebody else be like, you tossed Super Mario Brothers <laughs> 2 out of that group, right? You know, like, I, I'd want, I'd do some additional follow-up, but I'd still confidently toss this one. It's, yeah. so, um, so for my nostalgia goggle experience, I, I, I played this game a lot as a kid, but not as much as the rest of the Marios, because it was just the weird one, you know? It It is the weird one, and I I was thinking a lot about what it must have been like for uh, either older gamers or people with like a higher games literacy or adults even, right, who who have all their, their other world knowledge. If you rewound the clock to a time when there was not 80 other Mario games that have like stayed true to what it means to be a Mario game, and you looked at this, and then like a year or two later, you looked at Zelda 2, and how different Zelda 2 is from The Legend of Zelda, I bet you there were a lot of people walking around the United States at that time just going, I, I guess I guess that's just <laughs> what they do. Like, I guess the second one just has nothing in common with the first one, and everything's different, and everything looks different, and all it, the music's all different, and everything's just different, but they put the same name on it, right? And And in the case of Super Mario Brothers, you would be right to be like, wow, this is really really different but with zelda 2 you would be straight wrong like all of those differences were actually completely intentional but i can imagine without having you know the 30 other games in each of those respective series to see that formula take shape that you might have expected super mario brothers 3 and zelda 3 to come out and for them to have nothing in common with the first two and maybe that trend would just continue forever well and this is a little tangential and, and certainly an area of which I am not an expert, but as you were talking about that, I thought, I wonder when Die Hard 2 came out. And <laughs> Die Hard 2 came out in 1990. So around the same time that, you know, this also came out. So I'm, I'm wondering if there, which, and Die Hard 2 is, is renowned for being, I mean, it was, it was a completely different screen, you know, screenplay right yeah Yeah, they just slapped the diehard paint on it yeah and said it's diehard now you know so i wonder if if it was during this time where they were kind of just experimenting with can we can we treat brands this way you know can we turn something from a you know a, a nothing title just literally throw this name into it and then say all right does it does it have legs does it can it swim and uh and, you know, I think some more than others, but definitely with the two that I know, like, that come to my mind when people say, can you think of a thing that was not a thing and was just repainted as the thing? The first two that come to my mind are Die Hard 2 and Super Mario Brothers 2, you know? I mean, un- until you've built an established franchise, books probably less so, but uh, movies, video games, television shows celebrities right even like pop groups and stuff until you've built an established successful franchise that probably happens a lot where they're like oh we want to build a franchise we need the sequel the next one the the final installment whatever like we need to continue this here's this thing that's similar enough that if we you know put the right coat of paint on it yeah, you know, dumb Americans. Yeah, it's Super Mario. Just throw a plumber in there, whatever. But what about all the radishes? Ah, it's fine. They're, you know, kids just eat up that stuff. Everybody hates radishes. Yeah. Ah, it's a figure of speech. You know what I mean, right? Like that's <laughs> that is probably to some extent what is happening 
all the time when companies are trying to establish lucrative franchises and we just hear about the the hilarious cases like a Die Hard, like a Super Mario Brothers 2, because they then went on to have incredibly successful lucrative franchises. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, this was the the eighties slash you know, very early nineties. So, you know, if I learned anything from the Lonely Island, it's that, you know, people were just doing mountains of cocaine. And uh and you know, when you're when you're doing that, it's just kinda like like, hey man, we we we, we need the next Mario, man. It's like just, just take this game and put another one on it. And it's like, well, is that gonna work? It's like, who cares? Whatever, just sell it, it's fine, you know. <laughs> Well, and also, I mean, and, and this is the, the final thing before we can move on uh, on my side is uh, the whole reason they did this is because there was a sequel to Super Mario Brothers in Japan and the Japanese, like with a few other games, didn't think we could handle it. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the true reason this got rebranded is because they wanted to sell a sequel over here because the original one had done so well. But they were like, oh, man, they're not uh, they're not they're not ready for this. They're not ready for what later was called the lost levels. Right. Like that's. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were probably right. But still, like that's it. Not only could you make an argument that they rebranded an existing game instead of building an easier game for the states, but they did it because they didn't think we could handle it. So like it's lazy slash insulting. It's lazy salting. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot going on here, but anyways, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, um, my, my nostalgia so, goggles or my nostalgia experience is uh, basically identical to yours. Like I played it a lot, but not nearly as much as the others because it was the weird one. It was the weird one. Um, plugs. Yeah, um, I was thinking that as of this recording, we could still plug the uh, Celeste giveaway. But by the time this airs, you will have missed your opportunity. So I hope you didn't miss your opportunity. But uh, thank you very much to all the people who entered, to Twitter and Twitch followers. Go do that. Um, Anybody who's been following me on Twitch got to see me. uh, Gigantic, ironic air quotes, speed run Super Mario Brothers 2. So um, there's still a lot of let's say bonus content and swearing because it's live and I can't censor it that happens <laughs> over on Twitch. Um, so yeah, come along for that fun. Uh, but let's, uh, let's get into the visuals for super Mario brothers. All right. So super Mario brothers Two visuals. Um, for, for me personally, I found the visuals. I mean, first of all, I mean, we, as we kind of established, they're just wildly off brand from Mario in general. Okay. Let's, yeah, and, and, and hang on. Let, let's, let's be honest about the fact that it is impossible not to compare this to the other Mario's, but that yeah. we, we are going to try and take this on its own merits and not its uniquely weird place in the series. We all know it's uniquely weird. Some comparisons are going to happen, but we're trying to, evaluate this on its own merits right yeah no it's it's not a particularly salient observation to say this one looks different um you know that's that 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 wouldn't make us good reviewers you know that would make us literally as we just said seven um so with that being said uh yeah i found the visuals to be highly repetitive you know and then so, and this is going to stray a little bit into audio already, is that I realized that the visuals actually do start to mix up to a degree, you know, like they do have like a nice level and there's some desert levels and, and all that. Uh, okay. But because the audio is so, th- there's two songs from what I can tell in this entire game, I actually realized that that colored some of my interpretation of the visuals. 
you know so because even though you know like they have a ice level and a desert level and a you know normal green level but since every single thing is like everything it just it actually made the visuals bleed together for me which was odd yeah there's inside music outside music and boss music i that's it i think that may literally be it yeah, at least that's all I consciously observed. If they're doing something else, then it was so subtle that I missed it. And that's, you know what? You know what? That's on them. That's not on me. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's, we've talked so much about how music, even for people who are musicians or who know a ton about music, like it's it's supposed to wash over you in a way that visuals typically don't, right? You're consciously aware of the visuals, you're subconsciously aware of the music. But my problem with the samey visuals is actually uh, all on the internal spaces because the external spaces, as you said, are fairly varied, right? You got mm -hmm. your the green kind of radish land that you start in and then you go to like the the desert and then you're out in like the ice place and then like the cloud world right so like there is and then there's another desert level which is annoying because i hate the desert level um but and there's to be a, fair even in the, the ice levels are rocket ships for there are rocket ships because reasons hmm. uh, <laughs> because apparent but the, the interesting <laughs> thing is the rocket ship doesn't take you to space it takes you to a higher level so that leads me to two immediate questions <laughs> one how high are these buildings that it requires a rocket ship to get up to there where a space elevator wouldn't or a space tether wouldn't have <laughs> even been a better option and if you if you want to know more about that check out the channel kyrgyzstan it's it's, it's pretty cool <laughs> but that's not the point the point is then two like why was at like, like, what engineer was sitting there and saying, like, all righty, I need to, I need to get to the top of this skyscraper, and man, I got five seconds to do it, in. and it's like, all righty, we could get a really fast elevator. No, 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 rocket ship. And, and where are you going to put the rocket ship? We're going to bury it underground and give it a radish top. Exactly. So we, <laughs> when you pull it out, it, it you have to get inside of it in under three seconds because it immediately starts taking <laughs> off, and if you don't, you'll be emulated by the jet streams beneath it you know <laughs> and then somebody said like but but how could that possibly he goes Shh, because i'm a rock it man rocket man blowing out my fumes out here alone <laughs> thank you for the backup on that <laughs> you're welcome um the hell are we doing so the the the, Visual. the outside visuals i think actually do a tolerable job of of varying um not as much as, as they maybe could have, but like there is some variation, particularly world to world. Um, the interior visuals are straight palette swapping because yeah. all of the interior spaces are solid color background with, and the exterior spaces technically are also solid color background, but because there's like platforms and stuff, it actually breaks it up a lot more visually. Like I was only aware of the solid color background in the interior spaces because it's just these giant expanses of like turquoise or black. Right. And it's, it's like, it's jarring to not have any like buildings or big, tall green Hills or whatever, like nothing disrupting it. And then bricks and the bricks then are palette swapped. So like there's tan bricks, but then there's also red bricks and there's also like bluish bricks. Right. And it, it's just, it, it, unless you have just memorized it through exposure to the game, 
if you showed me any random screenshot of an interior space in Super Mario Brothers 2, I would have to think pretty damn hard about which world that's part of, and I would probably get it wrong because I'm not yeah. even sure that there's seven distinct in interior spaces. Like they they may actually reuse some of the sprites, which is even worse, right? There's just this bland, awkward sameness, particularly to the interior visuals that I really, really did not like. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, very, very, very samey, very disorienting. Um, one, <laughs> one kind of positive thing I wanted to mention, and because this kind of leads me into a, a, a theory of mine. Actually, this isn't a positive thing. This is just a dumb theory of mine. Um, so, okay. Shy guys, right, are time lords. Now, bear with me on this, right? Because where do you see the most shy guys, right? is you see them in in the vases, right? So this one vase that is approximately one meter by like, you know, tall, by like half a meter in diameter, you go in there and it's way bigger on the inside, <laughs> right? So shy guys clearly have access to Time Lord technology. And once I made that like distinction, it made the insane indoor sameness of the vases like, way more tolerable because I was just trying to tease out this subplot in my mind of like what's going on with the time Lord technology in these vases, vases, whatever. Well, see, and, but, and yeah. On the one hand you would say, Oh, like any interesting universe, your brain immediately started to like play in that space. But like any poorly thought out universe, it's because there was nothing in the universe to do that for you, right? Yeah, exactly. So I could start painting whatever I wanted to into that space. And so, yeah. and, and literally, <laughs> what started me down this rabbit hole was me just, you know, going down and thing. It's like, I just cannot believe how much bigger these are on the inside. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then my brain just latched onto that and just did not let it go. Well, so, and, uh, and they do something fun with the inside of the vases because a lot of them have just like three to four platforms and a lot of them mm -hmm. make little faces. Sometimes it's yep. a little smiley face or a little frowny face or a little like meh face, but like that's it's super intentional. There's two eyes and like a little mouth and it's once you notice that, I mean the human brain loves to see faces. That's why the front of every car looks like a face, right? But like we just love to see faces and the fact that they intentionally put them there in this way that's kind of subtle, but that you notice like, oh, this one's smiling. Oh, that one's frowning. Like, that's the sad face. Like, that's, yeah. I, I like that. Like, that's that kind of little touch. It doesn't change the game in any way, but it is appreciated in detail. It is. One of the things that I think that they could have done better with that is, is there's a little bit of a missed opportunity, is if those faces, to some degree, telegraphed what was in the vase right mm, happy like, face if there's a one-up yeah like a one-up or something positive you know if there's one of those little potions it doesn't even have to be a big thing it could just be one of those little coins that you can you know play the the mid game well you, you mid can level. only get the coins in subspace right so then a potion to get you to <laughs> subspace come on man think outside the vase so <laughs> but there's so much yeah, room so in here <laughs> so it, well to be fair i don't know if you could put a potion inside of the vase because that would be creating a sub temporal pocket inside of another pocket and i don't know how that works if it's similar to uh D physics you know you can't do that you can't put like a personal hole inside of a bag of holding so that, that means if there is a super mario brothers 2 room like that that room was written by stephen moffat <laughs> <laughs> 
take that. Um, <laughs> we may need to re- rename this one Super Mario Brothers 2 colon Doctor Who, you know? Because <laughs> so far we spent just about as much time talking about Doctor Who as we have Super Mario Brothers 2. Uh, but yeah, so, but no, if they had done some type of telegraphing where like a, most of the faces, and it would make sense because if it's the meh face, which would be like, you know, two platforms at the top for the eyes and then one just straight platform at the bottom, that's also like a boring platforming area, you know? So that would be the majority of them, but then smiley face one would be like a, ooh, you get a little one up or whatever. And then the frowny face one could be just, you know, filled with bad guys or, or just wastes your time, you know, where it's like, yeah, you can dig to the bottom of the sand pit. There's not going to be anything down there. Whereas the smiley one, if you dig to the bottom of the sand pit, there's a one up down there, you know, stuff like that. So I think could have been. Let, let me ask on. you about another telegraphing thing, because one of the things I noticed about how samey the visuals can be at times is the level design is actually quite varied right? Mm -hmm. Some of the levels are really tall. Some of them are really wide. Some of them have a lot of platforming. Some of them you can basically run in a straight line from one end to the other, right? So there's, there's, and it's not a straight linear progression where like, oh, the later levels have more like instant death pits than the earlier levels. There's, there's just a lot of variety in the world design. And, and I appreciate that tremendously because it does, give you something to focus on if the visuals get kind of samey. Um, something that I was obsessing over and didn't have time to really rip apart like each individual level is when you first start the game, you select your your player, right? So Mario, Luigi, Toad, or Peach. Well, it says Princess, mm-hmm. but Peach. And then you immediately fall out of a door in the sky and you fall and it, it forces the screen to scroll, right? So it teaches you right away that like there is some verticality in this game. And also it's a really narrow space where there's a really good chance you're going to go off the left or off the right, which wraps you around Pac-Man style or Mario Brothers style for that matter to the other side, right? Which teaches you right away that that's a thing that can happen. And then you go through the door at the bottom and it takes you to a completely horizontal, 100% linear, like normal platforming style space, which again teaches you like, also, this is going to happen. Sometimes the screen will scroll left and right and not up and down, right? Mm-hmm. And I love that the very first thing they do is explain to you that there will be levels that have verticality as well as the kind of the, the horizontal platforming that we're used to. And then I feel like they never communicate that information to you again, because if you watch like a speed run or if you've, you've played this game a lot and you like get good at it, there are places where the visuals that are on screen are trying to trick you into like, oh, go up this platform and then jump onto this one and then onto this one. But in reality, you just go onto the bottom platform and then you rock it off the side of the screen and it takes you all the way to the top of the other platform without having to interact with any enemies or do anything complicated, right? But there's, I didn't feel like there were ever times that the visuals conveyed this is a time when the screen will wrap and this is not a time when the screen will wrap. This is a time when it's going to scroll vertically. This is a time when it's going to scroll horizontally. And obviously the screen only wraps when it's scrolling vertically, but until you know the screen is scrolling vertically, it's not always obvious. And then by the time you figure it out, you're often like on a flying carpet or climbing a vine. And the fact that the screen wraps mattered for a second, but it doesn't matter anymore. So you just have to like, 
memorize it. And that, that felt like a lost opportunity. Like if there was some, some way to visually convey or communicate to the player, like you are on screens now that wrap. And so like use that information and platform creatively knowing that the screens wrap would have very much changed how I interacted with the world. But what I ended up doing instead was having to memorize that. And the drawback with, Oh, once you know it, then you know it is a first time player may never learn that because they may get to that stage or they may get to that part of the world and then never come back to the game because they didn't know there was this whole other interesting way to solve the problem. So like, I just, I love that inclusion. Like it's such an interesting kind of weird mechanic that makes no damn sense that sometimes the world is only one screen wide and sometimes it's much, much wider, but they just don't really, they don't really explain it to you. They don't really convey it visually in a way that a first time player would definitely realize that that's possible and then exploit that information to interact with the world. Yeah, um, I didn't. I didn't. I, I agree with you. I think that they did a poor job telegraphing that because I didn't. I never really thought about when I was doing a vertical stage, like, oh, I wonder if I could have manipulated the screen wrapping to my to my advantage until way way later in the game. Um, I agree with you that they did a poor job telegraphing visuals because okay, so one, one thing we should probably touch on quickly is that we played the version of this we played was for the Nintendo Switch. So yeah, that's true. Although I I tried very hard to limit the amount of time control powers that I exercised, but yes, we did technically play this on the my, Switch, not on original hardware. My my time control powers fluctuated proportionally to my frustration with the game. So yeah, totally. If I <laughs> so if I was if I was like you know towards the beginning, my time travel use was very slow, very little, and then as my patience would wear thinner. I mean, there was literally one point where I was like, nope, one back two seconds. Nope, one back two seconds. Nope, <laughs> one back two seconds. I mean, it basically, as you aptly said, it, the game became, it became a, a braid. It became braid for me at one point. Um, so all that being said is uh, I felt that the there were definitely a number of times when I died where there was no way for me to reasonably know how to approach this encounter without like like everything that the game had taught me should be normal just suddenly stopped working for me like completely the one that comes to mind is there's a level it's got like a black backdrop but where uh little logs are coming over the waterfalls which they've done plenty of times right but in this one in particular you can't just jump and then jump and then jump you've got to like jump on the first log and then quickly assess whether or not the other logs are lined up properly. And if they're not jump back off of it and mm, wait for mm-hmm. another path, you know? So if you're, you know, if, if it, if the world hasn't just happened to line itself up in the correct way, which it doesn't all the time, you will just straight up die. There is no timing, no criticality, none of that. It's just, you're out of luck. Right. And so then to be fair, that happens relatively early in the level, but it would, take a life away from you and kick you back to the beginning of the level and if you know you happen to uh you know be out of lives then you're at a continue at this point so i didn't feel that the game did a good job telegraphing to you when the game was gonna kind of turn on you you know well and you can easily paint yourself into a corner because this game does what most nest games do but that doesn't make it okay which is enemies respawn if they go off camera. Right. And so if you, in your mind have 
map like, oh, okay, that enemy is heading that direction. And then the camera scrolls slightly back. It's like, no, they have completely reset. And you need to, the only way you can really deal with that is to have near exclusively forward progress. Like if it's a a go right stage, you need to be going right. Otherwise you risk respawning enemies that are now going to totally screw up everything and possibly pin you into a corner that there is no good way to deal with because you're not supposed to be in that situation. Right. And and it's just, it's a nest thing. I, I know some games did that enemy respawning thing on purpose, but not all of them did. It was just like an artifact of the era but it's one of those things that I feel like has aged the worst. Like when I play a modern game that respawns enemies, the second I rotate the camera, I'm like, why? Like we know for 30 years ago that this is not fun. Like people don't like this. Why are you doing this? Why why are you doing this? Um, So this is slightly tangential, but uh, so you said princess peach, right? How, How sure are we that that's peach? Um, well, I mean, she's wearing the right color clothes, but she has the wrong color hair. Correct. So it's either Daisy. Well, no, 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 wait. So yeah. in Super Mario Brothers, the Super sure. Mario Brothers, she wears white and has red hair, and she never looks like that again. Mm-hmm. Right? So technically... And that, was, and that was also for sure Princess Peach? Yes. I mean, I think they... <laughs> I don't think she got the Peach moniker until Super Mario Brothers 3, but the princess in all three of these games is supposed to be the same princess as far as I know. Okay, because I know that the princess in in Mario was Daisy. No, right? it's... Oh, do you mean in, um, like in Donkey Kong? Donkey Kong, That yeah. is Pauline. Pauline, that's Pauline, right? So yeah. that's Pauline, right? But then there's also, but Daisy's around at some point, right? She doesn't come in till way later. Cause I mean, because the they, reason why- they were like, oh, we need a love interest for Luigi. <laughs> poor, poor Luigi. <laughs> poor, poor Luigi. Um, yeah, the reason why I asked it is just because, uh, you know, she, um, you know, she has brown hair in this game, right? So assuming that, you know, I, I don't know enough about the Mario universe to really hold my own on this. So if, if, if people start chipping away at it, you'll notice that <laughs> you'll note that my knowledge is veneer thin. Uh, but that being said is that knowing that Daisy is a thing is I'm like, okay, it is either princess peach and she dyed her hair Brown or it is princess Daisy wearing a pink dress, which I think is more likely, you know? Yeah, no, it, it's definitely princess toadstool who is later than peach princess peach yeah and to be fair princess i don't know if princess daisy has the floating powers and princess peach definitely does yeah and and we'll we'll talk about this way more in depth later but the amount of stuff in this game that became canon because of how successful it was is just unreal right because none of this was canon it was all just nonsense but um, it was all a dream. Yeah, it was. It was all it, literally. It was all a dream. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that's uh, she. Yeah, white dress, red hair in the first game, pink dress, brown hair in this game, and then I think she became a blonde in Super Mario Brothers three. So the pink dress came from this game. Princess. She. I mean, she's been a princess all along. 
And then the blonde, I think, came from Super Mario Brothers 3. So visually, she's, in the early games, the least consistent character. Yeah. Yeah, no, she... she she's a little all over the place with the the characters. I mean, to be fair, so was Bowser, man. I mean, like, <laughs> King Koopa went from being, like, some, like, weird dinosaur-looking thing to being way more anthropomorphized. It's it's a little all over the place. But, uh, no, no, she actually still had brown hair in Super Mario Brothers 3. Huh. She didn't get her blonde thing until uh, Super Mario World. Huh. Yep. There you go. <laughs> yeah, the more you know and then she didn't really get the uh the crazy spike stuff from what i can tell until uh uh you know Z- wait what sorry never mind i'm I'm going off subject yeah, here. yeah you're going i don't know what kind of crazy maybe 18 plus only website you've ended up on what weird <laughs> what weird part of deviant art you're now going through but that's a different podcast yes yeah, that's, that's sorry <laughs> but but like and subscribe to my new podcast and then it's just you editing out like all of the expletives of the name of the podcast pretty much um so uh so the one uh i've got a couple of other things for um for visuals that i may shoehorn into mechanics if i wanted to but uh um i just want to touch on on two other things real fast one is palette swapping they do do palette swapping to telegraph the different ways enemies interact with the world uh so that's to me a good use of palette swapping not just to make yeah. It looked the, like there were more enemies. The like, one true use of palette swapping, com- communicating useful information. <laughs> yeah, dark shy guys walk off of cliffs. Pink shy guys don't. Um, pink birdo only fires eggs. Red birdo, fi- and I did try to figure out: does he have a different name? Does she have a different name? I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I think don't know the I think all the birdos are birdos, just like all the shy guys are shy guys. It's just like. Birdo and then maybe like Red Birdo, but I I don't if if it's Birdo and then like Birdette or you know Birdlink or whatever like I I, I have no idea. But anyways, you know the red one fires fireballs in addition to eggs, all that good stuff. So that's that's a plus. And two, um, even in this game, in, in this port that they brought, which I thought was very uh, you know true to form, uh, they were not always. Um, uh, careful with how much stuff they put on the screen because sometimes <laughs> I had glaring frame rate issues. Yeah, frame rate and flickering. Frame rate and flickering. Yeah. This game communicates its nestness, like wears it really proudly on its sleeve. And actually, it is further compounded if you are stupid enough to go either back left or back down, depending on which direction the level scrolling, because sometimes you can tell, oh, they expected those enemies to no longer be on the screen when all of these new enemies spawned in. And I have created Mm -hmm. a situation where there's enemies and projectiles and all kinds of crap happening at the same time that they were hoping was not going to all be happening at the same time. And then just flickering and the frame rate drops to single digits. And yeah, you can really, really bork it. Oh yeah. (laughs) And, and, and bork it. I did. (laughs) Um, so uh, do you have any, any other big notes for visuals? Uh, the only other thing I'll say on visuals is just the, the, the cherry on the I wish they better communicated, whether it's horizontally scrolling or vertically scrolling, is uh, two places that I can think of. They do something really novel with the horizontal scrolling, which is uh, in one of them, they have a giant expanse of death, like a bot- an endless bottomless pit pit that the only way to get over it is to let birdo yes yeah yes 
Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, this was one of the other ones in addition to the log one that, yeah, we're basically, there's a birdo there. And if you don't jump on, on their egg, then they, you, you just, you die and there's no way to know. Yeah. No and, way. And the only thing that made me put it together was literally there's nowhere else to go. And I can't get across this pit, even as, as princess, you know, floating for as long as possible. I can't even see the other side. And then, yeah. you know, I noticed eggs going underneath me because uh, I was like up on one of the little green hill building things. And I was just like, oh, they, they want me to ride on the egg. I bet that's it. And and then that turns out to be it. But like, that's my game's literacy is pretty good. So, like, I'm not surprised that I eventually figured it out, but I can imagine somebody really struggling to put that together and, and then having to do the, like, look it up in Nintendo Power, ask your friend, ask your friend's dad who claims he works for Nintendo, right? Like, just there is not enough information communicated through the game to make it, I think, obvious enough. I know a lot of modern games get crapped all over for being too handholdy, but games of this era sometimes have the opposite problem where they're just like, you technically have all the information, but we've given you the bare minimum of information because every other time you interact with a Birdo egg, you would want to stop it from being a vehicle as quickly as possible and not let yeah. it just carry you off into the distance. Yeah. No, I think, um, uh, yeah, I, I agree completely. Is because basically I, what I did was I was like, okay, run, jump, jump. And I was, you know, princess at the time. So I was like, jump, hover, 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 and then plummeted to my death. I was like, oh, okay. And then when I saw the Birdo thing, I was like, all right, you know, that's that's why Birdo's there as opposed to being an end boss. Okay. But again, it was frustrating, you know, because I was like, there was absolutely nothing about the level design that made me think that everything I had done, all of the tools I had at my disposal to conquer this were not going to work for me this time. I mean, it, it's literally like saying, you know, hey, um, I know you drive to work every day. You drive to the mall. You drive to grocery store, all this sort of stuff. So I just need you to drive to the post office. And you're like, okay, but this time the road is filled with caltrops and demons, you know? And it's like, <laughs> well, my car's not going to work in this case. But you didn't tell me that until all of a sudden I was driving and I hear... <laughs> you know like, it, like that's where, where i'm at in the situation before i'm like maybe taking my car into this particular endeavor wasn't the way to go um so yeah so i mean just no no telegraphing to let me know that the tools i have aren't going to work so it, that was that was frustrating well and i i happen to be uh playing with an earshot of other people when i got to that stage the first time or the first time on this playthrough and i i summed it up in a way that i think uh would also sum up the feelings you're describing which is once i realized what needed to be done i literally said out loud oh that was clever i wish i had enjoyed it <laughs> yeah Right. Because that's, that's how it yeah. feels. You're just like, oh, that was a really clever bit of level design. And they do it again later with like a bird enemy that you have to like jump on and it takes you left. Right. Forward momentum has always been to the right, but now you got to go left. Right. So it's like they add like an extra little layer on top of it. I was like, oh, that was clever. I wish I'd enjoyed it. But uh, really, I'm just annoyed that it took me so long to put it together. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, it's no bueno. No good. Um, audio? Yeah, I mean, such that there is. 
Yeah, I mean, we kind of already touched on my notes for audio, which is that the audio is aggressively samey. Um, it, uh, yeah, it's just it it's so samey that it literally made me think that the visuals were were samey until I actually sat down and dissected it and said, no, wait, wait the visuals aren't samey. It's the music. It's um, it's just I mean, the music isn't bad, but it it does become grating to me you know eventually just because i've heard it so long for so many different times i'm like i, I just i want to i want to get to the next thing i want to get past it and so i there were literally times where i was like do i have the emotional fortitude to go back into the underworld and hear the underworld theme again for five minutes and i was like i don't know maybe maybe it's time to take a break you know so it's just that's all there is of it. this is a weird uncanny valley between the way we have positively described music in puzzle games and the way we would positively describe music in like a Mario or a Mega Man or a Sonic, which is like, oh, in a puzzle game, there's like one song that just plays on loop forever and ever and ever, but it's so you don't pay attention to the music and you just kind of zen out, right? And there's also mm-hmm. like a whole brand thing like with Tetris, it's like, you know the Tetris music, right? Because you just even though it's actually pulled from another very famous source it has now become the tetris music right because that's actually from mm-hmm. a ballet right so so like right. but that's been completely overshadowed super mario brothers well there's two there's the american tetris and the original tetris right the one of the original one is anyway um not <laughs> it's not nut no it's not nutcracker is it Something about Cracker, mm-hmm. something else. Anyway, it doesn't matter because uh, we're talking about Super Mario Brothers 2, which is also not Super Mario Brothers 2. Um, <laughs> in a puzzle game, the music is supposed to fade into the background in most platformers when they take you to the mechanical zone or the desert zone or the the whatever zone. You get the whatever zone music or the whatever world music or the whatever level music. And this game doesn't do that. And it's terrible is a terrible terrible design choice that i i can't even imagine why they chose to do that like why is there only outside and inside music it's just such an awkward with the visuals varying as much as they do which is a fair amount like enough right it's just so awkward to have outdoor music indoor music and that's it and and boss music right it's just the fact that the boss music is always the same, I'm kind of okay with because it's like, okay, you now need, you can't just platform. Like combat is now what you're doing. You have to kill an enemy. You cannot just platform your way through this space. So the the consistent boss music, I'll give them a pass on, but outdoor music, indoor music is like, uh, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. Well, and here's something that I'm kind of unpacking as we're talking is I think that part of the issue as well is that it's, very it's not music that you can just casually let go into the background of your mind it is always in the forefront of your experience you know so like with puzzle games it's it's a nice little jaunty tune and you can just kind of let it fade into the background but i think and for me it may be just because of the type of tones they're using you know like that dun 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 it's not a normal music it's very clearly like synthesized you know and Uh, um, yeah it it's it is very of its time. It sounds digital. Right. So it, it just, it's constantly pulling your attention to it because now that I'm thinking about it, kind of like with 
Mario, Super Mario Brothers, right? Is there was the dungeon music and the overworld music and the underground music, right? But I mean, most of the overworld music was very similar, you know? So I think they had maybe two additional tracks, which maybe that's the difference. You know, maybe that's what it takes, right? It's just not just two or not, or not just three musical tracks, but five. Like then your brain can actually let it go, right? But, um, but I think it's just also too that the music is very much so always in the forefront of your mind, you know, and, uh, and kind of grading in that sense. So, well, unless I'm completely blanking on gigantic sections of the original super Mario brothers, the visuals vary in ways to let you know, you are in later, more difficult worlds that are going to have different level design, but not in a way that communicates a completely different theme and tonality, Right, true. Like the yes. the the bricks sometimes are slightly different color. You get the dark background or whatever, but like you're always kind of in the same sort of space. But to go from like green hills to desert to Iceland to sky cloud, like there should be more variety. And future Mario games, in fact, did that. There's the floaty cloud yes. music, and there's the desert, you know, like uh, sitar kind of music, and there's like the jaunty tune green hills music. Like they they recognize that those things visually have a different tone. And so orally they should probably have a different tone. Um, yeah, I think that's true of the original Mario, except for uh, the one level with the Fantastopotamus, that secret level. Oh, wait, yeah. no, sorry. <laughs> probably said too much. They don't, don't even, don't even worry about that. Don't Google for um, it. It's yes, not your business. <laughs> um but uh but that being said yeah no i think i think you're you're correct then is that the music always was in keeping with the tone of that level whereas this one it's just kind of like man you know you could be looking at a desert you could be looking at ice you could be looking at sky you'd be like it's all that same music and that maybe that's what kind of added that dissonance and sameness that that brought it to the forefront well and any piece of music you don't love but is memorable is made more annoying by the nest limitation that I know I've brought up a million times of they couldn't play the complex music they wrote and all the sound effects at the same time. So because there's such a limited number of tunes and they are catchy, right? Especially the, the outside music, your brain starts to fill in that pattern as it's going. Cause you know, damn well what's coming up and then you pick up something or there's a bunch of enemies on screen or you're opening a door or whatever. And it makes a note in the music gets skipped and then your brain freaks out because the pattern it was expecting is not the pattern that it heard. So that brings it even more into the forefront of your mind, right? Where it should be washing over you as tone. It's like, no, think about it. Think about it. <laughs> if you want to know what it sounds like when everything goes, goes bananas like that, then you need to do nothing more than pause the game because that causes like half of the music to cut out. Yeah. They're, they were going for like a ducking effect. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it it it's it, to me it sounds like in a bass heavy song playing only the bass part in rock band, you know? Like yeah. imagine if you listen to uh GLaDOS in uh Still Alive and just heard the bass doom 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 you know like like you could probably piece out the rest of the song but it still sounds a little weird. So that's what they did on the pause menu. It was you know what it didn't sound like? It didn't sound like the awesome awesome Battletoads pause music which <laughs> just to be clear sounds exactly like this. So just and if you want even more of that, go listen to the Battletoads podcast that we did. <laughs> it's true it's in there a lot. <laughs> 
because I can't I can't say enough good things about that pause music. Um, if <laughs> if I had the if a genie came to me and said, "Hey, do you want the ability to stop time?" Be like, "Yeah, can it? When I do it, can I have the battle to toads <laughs> pause music?" And if he said, "Under no circumstances," I would still say yes, obviously, but I'd probably pause for a brief second while my brain went, "You know, <laughs> <laughs> oh." But you still want this power, though. Yeah. You know? Fine, I'll take your magic superpowers, genie. But to to wrap up audio, is the audio is so nondescript slash uh, tedious that I would much rather talk about the Battletoads music than... <laughs> the Battletoads pause music. Yeah, the Battletoads pause music. I would rather go on and gush about the Battletoads pause music than the music for this game. Yeah, and and the the sound effects um, to give them their their moment in the sun. Uh, you, unless you are a speedrunner, you are picking things up a lot, right? You're you're mm-hmm. looking for potions. You're trying to pull up coins when you're in the the nether. And you, like, there's a lot of you know lifting things from the ground. All the birdos, all the bosses actually have to be defeated by picking things up. So you hear the like like grunting, picking up a thing noise a lot, and it's actually kind of pleasant I actually sort of like that noise they probably realized oh you're gonna hear this all the damn time in all these different situations so let's not make it like teeth grinding and I'm glad they did because otherwise it would be right just kind of like an annoying walking noise or an annoying like you know if you have like a, a projectile weapon of some kind that makes an annoying noise like that's harmful to the experience because you're gonna be hearing that noise all the damn time so the fact that it's actually sort of weirdly satisfying and pleasant that sound is like that's good like i I appreciate that well and now when you say like you know you do you hear the the pulling things out noise all the time and it just now for whatever reason broke the, the glass for me on how much how often you are doing that specific mechanic like how key that mechanic is to interacting with the world and then all of a sudden my brain just said can you imagine what those characters would actually look like given the muscles that they're using <laughs> routinely right i mean they'd be first of all they'd be yoked you know totally yoked. but i mean the biceps glutes you know like all of those pulling up muscles back but i mean like chest they would be the only people in the world that don't have that chest to back ratio problem because they <laughs> they're doing bench press you know because everybody does bench press all the time but never they always skip back days so they have those like rolled folder sh- rolled forward shoulders and like you know like clearly it's like you you know the muscles that are supposed to be pulling back on you aren't doing that right they'd have the opposite problem they'd always be like having their shoulders like pinned behind them because of their enormous like you know continent spanning backs (laughs) so yeah that 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 would add for weird looking humans yeah i mean none of these people look particularly natural anyway (laughs) (laughs) no but now i'm picturing you know, Princess Peach just like hulking out of her, you know, uniform because of just how many basically th- hundreds of thousands of kettlebells she does every day. Well, I mean, you you got to pull those bombs up out of the ground while you're looking for potions. <laughs> Which, you know, th- there is something to be said of who is keeping not only bombs buried underground, but lit bombs specifically. <laughs> I, well, I guess... It's the act of pulling them up that lights them. They don't have an infinitely long fuse until you pull them up. It's you severing it from the ground must light the fuse. 
Yeah, so basically the fuse is some kind of a of an oxidation reaction. So until it hits oxygen, <laughs> it doesn't start. Yeah, there you go. Start that's the most yeah. logical thing that's happening in this weird dream hellscape. So <laughs> I have a really good segue to mechanics, but if you have anything else for audio. No, 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 go for okay, it. awesome. So it just occurred to me that the uh, roots, I guess, I don't know what you'd call it, the 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 part of the plant you grab on to pull up the leaves, I guess, those are this game's question blocks because mm. you, you don't know what's in them. Sometimes they're, yep. well, except the coins. You you almost always know when it's coin because you have to be in the nether. So, um, but is there anything else that's ever in there? I don't think so. So like with that one exception. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it has the turn up tops. No, there's, yeah. th- th- those are always coins. There There is occasionally the, extra health mushroom which is a new mechanic to this and only this game yeah um but uh but yeah i think that's the only stuff that's that i was able to find in the nether yeah so so the rest of the time they basically function as this game's question blocks sometimes there's bombs sometimes there's potions sometimes there's a variety of vegetables right like different projectiles is there anything different from the big mushrooms versus the small mushrooms except for how long it takes you to yank them out of the ground Mm, I mean, I guess there maybe they present a slightly larger target. Like, yeah, you, you slightly can, bigger because some of them are really small, right? And then there's the carrots, which are like tall and thin. So, mm-hmm. so there's there's some variety, but I, I think it's probably mostly in the appearance. I bet their hitbox is not well, except the pumpkins. The pumpkins are super wide, so they have a huge hitbox. Well, and the big turnips, you know, oh like yeah, there are yeah, small. Yeah. Turnips big turnips and to me the biggest difference between those two is that one of them takes like a half a second to pull out of the ground and the one other one takes you know 1.5 seconds to pull out of the ground which super matters when you're trying to time something and you're like all right i'm just gonna pull this <laughs> and then you know <laughs> you, you, you got which is why there is an advantage to playing the toad and there's an advantage to playing the peach there is no advantage to playing luigi Okay. None. So no, no, no. no. So <laughs> if if you watch like an expert player, there are specific levels where Luigi is the one true character because he has these perfect jump arcs from like you know obstacle to obstacle. Um, in every other normal circumstance, or for anyone who is not like an expert level player, yeah, Luigi's the worst. Oh, always. This is when it started. This is when Luigi yeah. became Luigi as we know him yes. to be the butt of every joke today. This is I mean, when that even started. His character model, even his character model comes from this game. You know? Yeah, tall and thin. Yeah, because before he was just a palette swap of Mario. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And then in this one was the, you know, you either lose 10 pounds and grow 10 inches or get the fuck out of my office. Like, that's when this happened, you know? So... Yeah, but no, my my note is Luigi is in this game is the Luigi's mansion of characters, <laughs> which I felt was fitting, you know, yeah. like, but yeah, no, it's, uh, but to bring, to bring it back to what we were initially talking about before I decided to crap all over Luigi. <laughs> uh, yes, that is the advantage to being Toad is that, you, you know, you pull everything out of the ground so quickly that I don't think that there's any real difference between the occasional landmine of, oh, wait, it's going to take me longer to pull this thing out of the ground, which if I was specifically timing something to not hit me is a problem. Well, and because all of the bosses you interact with by picking up something and throwing it at the boss, 
he does have a slight advantage in in some of those cases because he uproots things at whatever the maximum uprooting speed is. Um, he also has the lowest jump, which in a platformer is like a tough, and he's the slowest runner. But I think, if I understand correctly, I think if he is carrying something, he runs faster. It's a little, I didn't spend a lot of time playing as Toad because princess. So like (laughs) to me, Luigi is a specialty tool. Like he's a weird tool that you only pull out. And he's a tool. Yeah. He's Luigi's a tool. He's, (laughs) he's the, he's like that one wrench you have that you're like, I only have like five nuts that use this weird wrench, but like, I need to keep the wrench in my toolbox because if I ever have to like adjust the lumbar support on my desk chair, I have to use this weird tool. Like it's, it's that kind of thing. I don't know why anyone would ever play as Mario because Toad is at least min maxing for like attack. So like if you want to uproot stuff and you want to be like, you know, always have a projectile in hand and you want to rip enemies, you know, off their feet, like Toad is no question the best at that. Mario is frustratingly average in a way that makes me say, why would you not just play princess? Like if you're going to play Mario, just play as the princess, because I don't know what you're giving up. He, he is the, the bard in D and D where it's just (laughs) a little good at a lot of stuff. He is the, the Jack of all trades, master of none, but not taking away the true meaning of that phrase where it's just like, he's, he's average at everything. So you're like, so why would I, why would I do that? I want somebody who's, okay at because i mean because the thing is that there's no character in this game that like you said toad jumps a little bit lower his jump isn't quite as high it's so minute i didn't even notice it you know yeah um so it's not like oh well you can play as joe toad and he can uproot things like crazy but he is noticeably worse at jumping right or you could play as luigi who is clearly tripping on so much methamphetamines <laughs> that he can't keep his you know feet straight to save his life or you could play as Peach, who in a platforming game has a has a significantly longer jump. There's obviously an advantage there, but none of them have a. Dis- but if it was like, okay, well, Peach has this incredibly long jump, but it takes her forever to pull stuff out of the ground, and you'd be like, well, that that may not be worth the trade off. And then so if you said like, okay, and then Toad has a terrible jump, but can pull things out of the ground really quickly. You know, like, alrighty, or do you want to kind of be average at both? Then at that point you could say, okay, well I play Mario because I want to be good at both things, but not amazing at either one. That would make sense. But neither one of them have a drawback. That's, that's bad enough that Mario's averageness makes up for it. You know? Yeah. And, and I would say if if I had to speculate, Mario is so aggressively average compared to the level design because he's the most familiar character that most people will probably start with, right? So you have to kind of build the levels around every character's strengths and weaknesses, but you get, uh, what do you call it, regression to the mean, right? He's the most average, so like he has to be able to deal with every situation, particularly in light of the fact that the other characters' drawbacks are not so extreme that they can't also deal with that situation, just in maybe like a slightly different way once in a while. But then I would say Peach, is, or Princess, is the game on easy mode because it's a platformer and she has her miracle floating power, which also this is the game where that became canon, right? Cause that's canon yeah. later and the pink dress. Um, 
And then Toad is, you know, basically your weapons expert because he can uproot stuff. And that's you can't in this game kill enemies by jumping on their head. You have to throw crap at them. Right. So the fact that he can essentially reload his gun faster than everybody else is like meaningful. I don't. And and I'm. We crap on Luigi a lot because it's fun and it's like a meme thing. And like we also have our own like inside joke thing that we're doing. But all of that aside, I really literally don't know why you would play as Luigi. Like Luigi's inclusion in this game feels like someone essentially said, what if we designed all the levels with like fairly tight platforming controls, but then we just have this one character that controls like crap. Like (laughs) people might find that to be an interesting challenge. And that is the only reason I can come up with is that someone said, what if we had a character who controlled like crap? Because if you think about it, there are situations where Luigi is actually the best choice because he has this perfect jump arc to account for this otherwise like really tricky platforming situation. But Toad, who has the smallest jump, also must be capable of negotiating any of those challenges because you have to be able to play the entire game as any of the characters. So that means... They just made Luigi kind of crappy for like funsies, like just as like a weird challenge character. I think if these characters weren't the Mario Brothers, Toad and Princess Peach, that they would be in like Mario. Well, it would be Peach on the left because she's the easiest. And then Mario because he's like the normalist. And then Toad because he's really good at certain things, but is, is bad enough at other things that it might trip you up like in the platforming. And then like Luigi's like the bonus weird mode. He's like a big head in Tony Hawk pro skater. Like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but it's a way to make the game novel. Well, and I think that, that you kind of hit on one of my notes, which is, um, is that it, it's difficulty settings basically, you know, is that peach is easy. Mario's normal. Toad, Toad is, you know, arguably like, not even like hard i would honestly put toad he's the hardest to understand what makes him powerful like you you have to learn how to play as toad whereas peach and mario are more immediately obvious right and then luigi's hard you know it's just kind of like you know can you play through the game as luigi if you can then you have played through the game on hard mode the reason why i do um believe for sure that princess peach is playing the game on easy mode is because uh, basically, you have this floaty jump that allows you to, you know, float way farther. So, aside from the obvious, you know, point to this is playing the game on easy mode, uh, Nintendo actually recently dipped back into this well. Because have you played the new Yoshi game? Mm. I forget what it's called. Yoshi oh, something. Oh, Crafted or World. Yes, Yoshi's Crafted World. I have played it a very little bit, um, but Susan has played it quite a bit, so I've I've seen a lot of the game. So uh, so I got this game for Christmas, and Teddy absolutely loves it. And there is an easy mode where they put a pair of wings on the Yoshi, because that's canon, right? And you float almost exactly like Princess Peach does. The only difference is that it's infinite, you know? But in that, so, in that like, straight line? Mm-hmm. Uh. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's basically when I, <laughs> when I was doing this, I'm like, ooh, this feels familiar. Too familiar, <laughs> you know? And yeah, it's, it's exactly the same. So basically, on easy mode in Yoshi's Crafted World, you float like that, and um, you take less damage. And uh, whenever you eat a, 
something that makes eggs, it makes two instead of one. And I think those are the only real differences. But the biggest one being is that in a platformer, being able to hover for a period of time, in this case, infinitely in, in, in Mario 2 for a limited time, makes the game wildly easier. So that's why I'm like, okay, these are difficulty settings, you know? That's basically if you want to play through and you want to have a really easy experience, you play as Peach. If you want to have a you know middling experience, you play as Mario or Toad, depending on how you want to flavor that. If you want to have a really hard experience, you play as Luigi. And uh, one final thing on this is after you said it, you know, with like the different specialties, is now because it's all you know very highly themed. I'm just picturing all of them in like you know the jungle brush, right? And you've got Princess Peach with like her aviator glasses on, you know, <laughs> and like like small rocket boots. You know, because like she's the, the in like, you know, kind of like a rocket themed thing, you know, and she's she's sitting there kind of like looking out, you know, and Toad's just, you know, beefed out cleaning his guns, you know. Yeah, he's, he's right, you the, know, the, the the ammo belts, you know. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, you've got like Mario, who's, you know, kind of a little bit leaner out, but he's got kind of like the extra badges because he's the commander, you know, so he's got the little commander's hat on and he's got his like hand on Peach, like kind of also looking out, you know, and you've just got Luigi tied up in the corner, you know, because he's the he's the 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 asset that they went in to rescue. Oh, you know, so I was, if, I was thinking for sure you were going to say Luigi is like Gomer Pyle. It's like, <laughs> like you, you've got all of these like legitimate soldiers and then Gomer Pyle. <laughs> because the way I looked at it, it's more like he's the, the asset that they have been sent to recover. So if he is now taking the front lines, he has no idea what he's doing. So he's jumping <laughs> all over the place. You know, he's wild and crazy and swinging for the fences. And yeah, so that's that's kind of now my mental image of this game. Well, and and. <laughs> I, I love that. I actually, I would love for someone to do a ROM hack and put like a little Gomer pile in there. Um, you know, we, we ostensibly talk about old video games for a living, but I have never felt older than making a Gomer pile. reference. Like I guarantee you there's going to be people who are like, who the hell, what is he talking Who's- about? Who is Gomer pile? To be fair, most of my knowledge of him is from the Simpsons referencing him or no, yeah. I'm thinking of, futurama actually no both i mean both yeah yeah. but more so i'm thinking of the uh um well actually i'm thinking no i think it was the simpsons where it's like pile shazam (laughs) pile shazam yeah yeah exactly but that guy that's luigi um but i think there's there's something about this like difficulty setting thing that i think we need to acknowledge which is uh this game does an interesting thing where Every single level, not every world, every single level, you can choose the character you want to play as in that level. You can't switch mm-hmm. once the level starts, right? They didn't They didn't go that far, but inside of a world, every single level, you can choose which character you want to play as. And I think what they are, what they were going for, and I'm I'm projecting a little bit here, but I think what they were going for was sort of a difficulty setting like if you played a level and you die and you're like oh wow that was that was hard right i should do that as peach because there's a bunch of tricky platforming sections and i'm gonna just float right over them right so i was trying to play as mario but i screwed it up and so now i'm gonna play it as princess what i think they were actually trying to do in the design was having these characters have specialties so that you would deploy them tactically but it doesn't actually shape up that way. It shapes up as difficulty settings because the best example of that I can think of, and that this is the thing that really makes this idea take root in my mind is in the desert stages, you have to dig and nobody digs faster than toad. And so 
knowing that you're going to have to do all of this obnoxious digging in those stages makes me want to use toad but knowing you also have to deal with all these obnoxious snakes and the stupid quicksand and all the other crap always makes me suffer through the digging sections as princess because it's not he's not so much better at digging that it's worth dealing with his crappy jump in the platforming sections and prince is not so much worse at digging that it's worth giving up her amazing floaty power so i think what they actually wanted was to say oh, you need to learn which skills are useful and which levels, and what they accidentally back themselves into is difficulty settings. Yes, and the reason why I think that one of the critical choices that they made that I think is antithetical to the uh, tactical deployment is you can't change when you die. You can only change at the beginning of the... Oh, yeah, no, I got really frustrated by this. You can only change after you continue. You can only change after you continue or when you are starting a new level. You're correct. You're absolutely correct, which is a gigantic gaping hole in my theory. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm not saying that that you're necessarily wrong, that they were trying to do that. They just really duffed it on this this thing. And and I think your theory rings true viscerally. It frustrated the ever-loving bejesus out of me because the reason why I became intensely aware of it was because I picked Luigi for a level and immediately regretted everything the only thing that got me through that decision was i was like i am a good game reviewer and i will play as each of these characters because that is what i need to do um but after literally i played as luigi died horridly you know it went back to being died horridly again i was like okay i just i i get it i got it you know um thank you gomer pile you are dismissed and so (laughs) And and then all of a sudden I realized I'm like oh no I'm I'm in this like I no longer wish to be playing as this character but unless I can beat this level with him which I couldn't I just kept dying and dying and dying and dying until all of a sudden I continued which brings you back to the beginning of the world not the beginning of that stage right and so uh, and then all of a sudden I was like oh well now now I can pick it now I can pick Peach well whoop the freaking do I was <laughs> I had played through. World 1-1 is Peach, then World 1-2 is Luigi, so now I might as well just hit restart on the game. So all that being said, yeah, if they if they let you switch which character you were after death, if you said, okay, I have died, so now I wish to try deploying this different tool, then yeah, absolutely, that would be a good thing. If they really wanted to do it well, they would allow you to swap characters mid-level in the pause screen, right? Because... I don't think that there's realistically any, I mean, yeah, you could probably get bananas weird with that, but if you put some penalty to it, like, you know, when you switch out characters, they're immobile until they touch ground, something like that. So you can either, you can do it midair, but then you're just stuck with whatever you've done until you take ground, something like that, you know, then yeah, you could say, Oh, there's a huge digging section. I'm going to switch out to toad, you know, or even to do that, they they would have to make, one, they would have to design the levels a little bit differently, but they would also have to make the differences between them way more pronounced than they are. Or actually, you know, it would be a really cool. I mean, again, like while I'm sitting here in my glass house saying this is the game I'd design <laughs> um, is uh, is what if what if you could switch characters mid level, but it made you take a hit point of damage, you know, down to zero down to one hit points left, you know. So once you're at one, you can swap out characters 
like bananas, right? But then you're always playing on that razor's edge of I am one hit away from dying. You know, so that could I, be fun. Because- I played a um, a modern retro game. Like it's a, it's a game that's supposed to feel like Castlevania, but it's it's a brand new game. Um, mm-hmm. And you can do that exact thing where you can like L and R to switch through uh, your party. Um, and the way they punish you is if that party member dies, it forces you to switch to one of the other characters and then there's no way to revive that person until you finish the level. So like yeah. if you're super low on health, but everybody else has full health, you need to risk switching to that person to make them pick up the health. But then if they die, they're out of it for the rest of the level. And maybe you really wanted to use them in the boss fight or something. So like, I, I think that level of game design is not beyond what these designers were capable of. I think it's way beyond what they were shooting for. Like, yeah, I, I guarantee you every single designer in that room could have thought of such an idea. And they were like, not what we're trying to do. Right. So, uh, so yeah, so I think that that's kind of, uh, my frustration with the character switching is that basically it does come down to difficulty settings. And as, as somebody who doesn't want to get really frustrated with my games, after I realized kind of where I was at with it, I, I played once as Mario, once as Luigi, half a dozen times as Toad, and then the rest is Princess Peach because I wanted to play on easy mode. Same Z's. Um, <laughs> uh, I thought that one of the things that... So, and this is kind of touching on what we talked about before with the visuals. There are a number of times when there were things that... Ways that they had designed the levels where something just killed me and i didn't think it was fair um the the level design a number of times doing it but the one in particular that this this was the point where i just put down the game and i just didn't pick it back up <laughs> um i mean it happened to today as of this recording right so i was like i'm, I'm okay with this but i would i literally megan you know came in and she's like okay about how much longer are you gonna play and, I, and this was like the third time i wrestled with this issue i was like now i'm done now you know <laughs> which was it was an an area where there was like 15 different in a row, 15 different vases, right? And some of them had oh, little stoppers. Yeah, no, I know exactly the area you're talking about. Right. So I went down the first one. That nah, wasn't where I was supposed to go. Went down the second one. That wasn't where I was supposed to go. I'm like, okay, so hopefully they're not expecting me to check all of these 50 different vases, right? So I was like, okay. Well, they must be the, the unique ones. So I... One of them had a snake coming out of it. I tossed that snake away, went down there. It wasn't that one. One of them had a stopper on it. So I took that stopper off and a snake popped out of it immediately at the speed at which there's just no dodging it. Like while I was still doing the pulling up animation, it hit me and knocked me down to small peach. Okay. Did that. Went down there. That wasn't the right one. Went and pulled up another one. It had a bunch of shy guys popping out of it. Went and pulled up the third one, another snake. Now I'm dead. I was like, I don't know which one of these I'm supposed to be going down. I don't want to go down all of them. And apparently there's a number of them where if I interact with them in the way in which the world has shown me to interact with it, it kills me. So I think I'm good. Yeah, th- I'm good. Th- I'm this good. game, and this is maybe the very best example in the whole game, but this game occasionally makes use of, you just got to memorize it, level design. And yep. I don't like, yep. you just got to memorize it, level design, because it's not fun for new players and it's awkwardly frustrating for people doing exactly what we're doing who are like oh i remember playing this game as a kid and so they go back to it and then you die on that part and you go oh right 
right? Because you don't say like, like, <laughs> oh, ha you got me because I, I, I'm not as quick as I used to be, right? It's You're just like, right. oh, right, I no longer have this 30-year-old game completely memorized. And in their defense, they don't go to this well a lot, but I don't, I don't honestly think this is ever good design. Like, unless you... Unless the you just have to have this thing memorized can never kill you, right? If right. right when a level starts, a thing pops up and hits you, but that thing will never kill you. It's just a way for them to be like, ha ha, gotcha. Like, that's obnoxious, but I, I can at least tolerate it. But if you have to have this memorized or you die is the way part of the level's designed, it's just not fun. And And the thing yeah. is because I went through that section enough times and had the exact same kind of teeth grinding frustration, you know what I did? I just memorized it. It's the second snake. It's the one right after the second snake, right? Which looks complete. There's no reason that I was able to tell that you would notice. Maybe the pattern is super subtly different on the vase, but I don't think so. I think you just have to memorize that. It's the one after the second snake. That's not, it's not fun. No, no, it is not. Um, and that's actually all I had for, uh, for mechanics what, what, what else you got um this is actually kind of related to uh what you're describing where like sometimes the level just gets you is there's enough broken about the game engine or not broken there, there are enough weird glitches of the nintendo era built into the game engine just it's not it's not they were lazy it's not they did a bad job it's just a artifact of this time in history that these sorts of things happened where you sort of need to learn those quirks and exploit them to be good at the game. So for example, um, when you are uprooting something, that entire animation, you are completely invincible. And it's important to know that because when you are fighting uh, the red birdo that shoots occasional like little fireball spark things, if you grab one of the birdo eggs and you uproot it at the right time, then the fireball just harmlessly passes through you. Or if there's other projectiles or enemies on the screen and you are about to uproot something, you can actually either uproot it sooner or pause your uprooting to make yourself immortal and just let enemies and things pass through you. And if you watch anyone play, even someone who's not doing like a speed run, just someone who's like a like a high games literacy player, consciously or not that is how they play the game because Mm. it's so prevalent that it ends up just becoming like how you have to interact with the world it's just like jumping like you just need to know that while you are uprooting stuff you are invincible so that you time your uprooting of things and there are some awkward places where you can like do these half extra jumps off of like the edge of the wall. Like you're not supposed to be able to stand there, but because it lets you clip onto the edge of it, you can make these platforming connections that should not, if you were just looking at the level, you would say, Oh, I can't do this. It's like, yeah, you can. Right. Or like if an enemy collides with you and you time the pull up press, even though they should have damaged you, you just magically start to pull them up from out of nowhere, right? And it's like, you shouldn't assume that those things are even possible and then they actually become mandatory to achieve any decent level of mastery of the game. And because of this time in history, I can kind of like, 
but it <laughs> I don't love it. I don't love a game where it's like, oh, you just have to know that you're invincible during the pull-up animation. And it's like, why am I invincible? Why does it take so long that they had to decide to make me invincible during the pull-up animation, right? Like, just like they decide to make you invincible for a second after you take damage, you're actually invincible for longer during the pull-up animation unless you're Toad because it takes longer. <laughs> like, it's it's just, there's just these weird, like, rough edges is basically the best way I can describe it. It's There's a lot of rough edges that become integral to mastering the game, not in a way where you would say you're exploiting glitches because they're just part of the game mechanics. And I just... I don't hate it. I don't have good feelings about it. Like every time I avoided taking damage by uprooting something at just the right time, I was just kind of like, eh. Like, this doesn't feel like this is what they were expecting me to do. It just feels like what I have to do. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, no, I... I get that, and that actually um, plays into a degree to to a note that I have on wh- whether or not I felt it held up. Um, but uh, I'll I'll save that for later. Oh, well, then then this is just as good a time as any to uh, to move into that stage, which is uh, whether or not it held up. And and I um, I think we have to, uh, in reverence to Donkey, give it Game of the Year, Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> now. Um, <laughs> It's I, so I, I had a a uh, like a sine wave uh, experience with this at first, where I was playing it a whole bunch and really frustrated, and then I would give up on it for a minute and then come back, and then I would play it and enjoy it and then get frustrated and give up on it, and I noticed that the oh am I going to use this this term right the amplitude got shorter so the the peaks it nope what what did what do you call when the peaks and valleys get frequency frequency damn it yeah what is amplitude the the intensity ah crap amplitude is yeah yeah okay yeah so uh, no actually okay so this works so the amplitude got smaller (laughs) right because my my moments of extreme frustration came way up and my moments of extreme joy came way down because i was reaching like a normal kind of like consistent mm-hmm. enjoyment. Um, but then the frequency also got way, way shorter where I was like, yeah, that was really frustrating, but I understand what happened. And so I am choosing to deal with it. Right. Whereas when I first started this playthrough, there were a lot of moments where I was like, I'm not sure I understand what happened and I'm kind of pissed and I think I'm done for now. Right. So like that did actually change the amplitude and frequency did actually change <laughs> over the playthrough because if I had only put half an hour into this, I would have easily been like full nostalgia goggles. It sucks. It's broken. There's flickering. It's ugly. The music sucks. Like this is all terrible. Right. But through Stockholm syndrome, I was able to <laughs> work my way up to a nostalgia monocle because I realized this game in almost every way is such an artifact of its time, right? The graphics kind of suck. The music sort of sucks. The frame rate and the engine kind of sucks. You sort of have to exploit a bunch of the mechanics for the game to really be truly enjoyable, which kind of sucks, right? And and like <laughs> but for all of those things, I was like this is such a Nintendo experience. Like this is when people think back on the Nintendo, for better or worse, this is kind of probably what they're imagining. Like, flickering sprites, 
sort of enjoyable, but kind of annoying music, sort of enjoyable, but kind of samey visuals. Like this is, this is kind of like the most Nintendo game I think I've ever played. And that's not a great thing, but it's not terrible. So like if you played this game as a kid or early in your game's literacy, does that make it way more tolerable to go back to? Yeah, absolutely. If you've never played this game or if you never played games from this era, just know that this is the most of its era game maybe ever. And then you can enjoy it, but it's, you you know, maybe put on that monocle. Yeah. I I actually would also give it a nostalgia monocle as well. Um, Mostly from, from my seat, because when I really kind of was sitting back and thinking about it, I was like, okay, like you said, like, like there's nothing egregious about this game so when i was thinking about what 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 games have we given nostalgia goggles to you know it's like it's nowhere in my opinion it's nowhere near that right but i almost gave it a full-blown nostalgia goggles and i sat back and i reflected on it and i realized why because it's a mario game right Mm. so Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's the the biggest thing that this game suffers from is being a mario game you know because it has that title and is tied to that franchise I'm way harder on it because so many Mario games are tens. And the fact that this is an aggressive six, I'm like, it's terrible. It's unplayable. You know, it's like, but it's not though. If this was actually Doki Doki panic and had nothing to do with anything, I'd be like, yeah, it's okay. I would probably give it like a, a light nostalgic nostalgia monocle and maybe even say like, yeah, it's kind of a weird niche game. You know, like you might want to go check it out if you like weird niche games, but because it's, it's, it's super Mario brothers. I'm like, God, why? Why in the world would you? Why would you play this? There's so many better games out there. Play any of the other Super Mario games. <laughs> like they're, they're they're better, you know. Um, so and and there's just so many different things that that you know. It just the game Super Mario Brothers just doesn't do. I mean, like having to check a million different vases uh, to, to to find the right one. I mean, I can't think of another Mario game where like yeah, you you can try to duck down every single pipe to find a secret area. But if you don't do that, the game's still playable. It doesn't cause your momentum to come to a grinding halt until you find the right boss, base, whatever. So, uh, so yeah, so for me, the, the, I had to give it a nostalgia monocle because, you know, looking through the vases and trying to be the Time Lord, I was just, just this once, just this once, I needed to find the right vase. The curtain falls, the music plays, the credits roll, then it all fades black and you're left by yourself the fanfare is gone there's no player two there by your side to share victories won but as you slowly progress down the hall to your bed a few great events leak back into your head from the time that you spent Traversing the land Battling evil Fighting the darkness Just sword in hand Your memories creep in With the end of a smile 